Hello, and welcome back to Grateful Gwenna. We're so glad you joined us. If you're not safe, or if you know someone who is not safe, I implore you to please call or contact your local Young Women's Christian Association, or YWCA, and or call the National Center for Domestic Violence hotline at one 800 799 S-A-F-E, which of course spells safe. I am, once again, led with a post by the Holy Spirit. And this post is actually about my own children, who are now grown men. And I am dedicating, I am going to dedicate this episode, this podcast episode to my two grown children, whom I love very much. My children after Jesus are my world. I have never loved anything but God more than my children, and I never will. It's just in me. I have made mistakes as a parent, but I have tried my hardest to do my best. And I've prayed for both of my children for many years and that God will cover any of the mistakes I make or may have made with them. As many of you may know, my children are grown men now, and I'm very proud of both of them. Um, when they were growing up, being in an abused marriage and trying to raise my children while being married to an abusive husband was extremely difficult in some ways. Um, While I was very blessed as far as um, I was able to homeschool our children for about 10 years, and I was able to, during that time, teach other people's homeschooled children Spanish between or from kindergarten through 12th grade, um, and I loved doing that. Uh, surprisingly, that w- was my favorite job I've ever had in my life was homeschooling my own children. It was so much fun. And I actually loved being a homemaker and a housekeeper and especially a homeschooling mom, a homeschooling mother. Um, while that was a huge blessing, it was also extremely challenging. Um, when my ex-husband was at work, I could relax. I felt like I could relax and I had peace. And, you know, this podcast episode, in this podcast episode, I'm sorry, I'm sharing things that I've actually never divulged to anyone before in my entire life. You're hearing it first here. Um, So when I was homeschooling and my ex-husband would be at work while we were still married and the children were younger, of course, um, I was in charge. I'm a very type A personality, very outgoing, um, pretty organized for the most part. I can be a messy, um, but I am extremely organized. And I had um, a tool I use, which we called Moth or Managers of Their Homes. And it was an organizational tool specifically designed for homeschooling mothers um, by another Christian homeschooling mother herself. And oftentimes, most of the time, I used this tool and I basically um, used it and had 
pretty much every half hour all day long scheduled of what we should do. And it wasn't rigid or set in stone, but I did try to follow it pretty faithfully, even though it was more of a guideline to what we should accomplish during the daytime with school. And of course, one of the main things I wanted our children or my children to learn was I wanted them to learn about God and how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know for a fact that I failed at that a little bit, but hopefully something stuck um, because my own upbringing, um, in my own upbringing, I was um, in a denomination uh, or faith of religion where it was very legalistic and very much works-based. All in, in my father, as I've shared in other podcast episodes, was a lot about, um, you know, uh, instilled a very perfectionist um, ideology in me, which I'm sure was completely unintentional on his part. I think he was just trying to get me to do my best because we as parents, we all do our best with our children, right? Until we know better. But at the time when we're raising our children, um, we believe and feel like we're doing our best. And so I have no ill will toward either of my parents. As a parent now myself, I completely understand where they were coming from, even when they said and did things that were not the best for me or my siblings. Um, Because as a parent, there's really no guide or handbook. Not even the Bible tells you exactly how to raise your children. You know, it gives you certain instructions like Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But there's no actual, like, Bible, like, book telling you exactly how to raise your children. So we're all doing the best we can as parents. Um, But uh, this podcast episode is about, like, how I tried my best to help my children. And there were times I failed. And um, please understand, I, for many years... I blamed myself for every bad thing that ever happened to me or my children. And it took me years. And then I kind of swung the pendulum the other way and blamed everyone else for every bad thing that ever happened to me or my children. And um, hopefully I've found a healthy, good, healthy balance now. Um, A truthful and accurate balance and reflection. And I am the type of person now who... You know, if I'm doing something wrong or have done something wrong or said something wrong, I will be the first one to tell you, like, I can be honest to a fault. And um, sometimes it's not good to be that honest, right? Sometimes it's good to keep some things quiet. Um, But God has called me to be transparent and authentic, at least as much as possible. And so that's what I'm trying to do here in this podcast episode and tell you and share my story. And I don't know, maybe some of you can relate Um, But again, I dedicate this podcast episode to my grown children who are both men whom I'm very proud of now. Um, And I'm not going to tell all the details, um, but I'm just kind of going to give you an overview of what I did and why I did it. But um, truly, my children have always been my world after Jesus. And I will confess honestly and openly that many years ago, several years ago, when my children, when the boys were still young, um, God convicted me that my children had become my idols. 
And it's kind of understandable because my marriage relationship, my marital relationship was not good at all. Um, you know, back then I thought it was a normal marriage, but it was the farthest thing from a normal marriage. And there was a lot of abuse in my marriage and I was in denial at the time and didn't want to admit it. Um, first of all, because I was embarrassed. Secondly, I was frustrated because I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. And thirdly, because I just was in denial, honestly. Um, I knew something was off, something wasn't quite right. And fourthly, I was blaming myself. You know, um, when my husband would shove me, um, like shove me halfway down the stairs or shove me to the point where I would lose my balance and fall backwards onto my son's toddler bed while he was lying in it, things like that. I would blame myself. Oh, well, you know, I upset him. That's why he did it. I deserved it. And I would just blame myself all the time. Of course, my children were young and they never saw me blaming myself. They never saw this. At least I don't think they did. But I was constantly blaming myself. And it was also partially because I was being brainwashed, um, not only by my ex-husband, but also by spiritually by the church we were attending at the time. And, you know, the church um, had good intentions, but they were teaching that a wife should submit to her husband no matter what. And I think nowadays most churches understand that, you know, you have to add the caveat that that doesn't apply in the case of abuse. You know, I have shared in the last podcast episode that um, biblically we as wives are not only not required to submit to our husbands when they're being abusive of us or abusing us, but is it is our spiritual obligation to not submit to that. That is not what God, God calls us to do. Um, Ephesians 5.21, and it took me several years to understand that after um, my divorce, actually, when I finally totally understood that. But Ephesians 5.21, which is um, in the section um, about husbands and wives and how we're to relate to one another, which is kind of odd to me that it talks about how to relate to, between husbands and wives, but not with your children. I guess maybe because that's a maternal instinct. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Um, but Ephesians 5.21 in the Bible says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it took years for me to recognize and realize that. Yes, the Bible says the husband's the head of the household. Yes, the Bible says wives respect your husbands and submit to your husbands um, as to the Lord. But the Bible also tells us to submit to one another out of reference for Christ. That means not just wives submit to your husbands, but it also means husbands submit to your wives also as well. And the Bible also says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Christ loved the church so much that he loved her sacrificially. He gave himself up for her. Jesus gave himself up for us willingly in obedience to God the Father as a sacrifice to take our place. And the Bible also admonishes husbands to love their wives as their own bodies. And it says for Whoever loves his body doesn't hate it, but feeds it and cares for it. So husbands are supposed to feed and care for their wives as well, according to the scripture, at least from what I understand and from what God has 
revealed to me through his Holy Spirit over the years, especially since my divorce, you know. Um, and so uh, when my parents, I'm sorry, when I was five years old, my parents divorced and it caused me a lot of emotional turmoil over the years. The divorce was difficult. Um, I was five years old. I, although I was extremely intelligent, I didn't really completely and totally understand the concept of divorce when they divorced and why I had to go with mommy and go live with her friend Joni and why daddy was basically kicking us out of the house. Although I was feeling a sense of relief that, oh, good, now I don't have to listen to them argue every day. But I didn't totally understand it. And then over the years, like I came to hate holidays, like especially Christmas, because my parents were always arguing over who was going to get me for Christmas. And they argued in front of me all the time. And my mother especially badmouthed my father like all the time, all the time. And my father didn't really ever say hardly anything negative about my mother until I turned 15 years old. And I asked him, you know, to I'm, I'm old enough now. And he finally started sharing some things with me and answered my questions, which I was glad he did. I was grateful for that. Um, but they were constantly at odds. And I could tell that my father didn't like my mother. And my mother didn't like my father. And to this day, my father refuses to be in any room with my mother. So like when I wanted to get married, I couldn't even have a normal wedding because my parents, this is my opinion. Okay. But they weren't mature enough to be in the same room together. <laughs> you know, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened between them. It's not for me to judge, but really you can't take one day and let it be about your daughter instead of the two of you. I don't know. That part did bother me. Um, and I've forgiven them for that, but it, it's not fair. You know, sometimes life is not fair. But so because of all of that, that I went through with my own parents, I didn't want my own sons, my own children to experience that emotional trauma and turmoil. And with the brainwashing I was going through between my ex-husband and the church, I truly believed that it was my fault. We didn't have a good marriage. It was my fault because I got upset or it was my fault because I yelled or God forbid, it was my fault because I said a bad word or two or three or four, um, which mostly happened honestly after I had been abused by him, but not always. I was raised in a home where there was a lot of, there were a lot of bad words said. My mother, she screamed all the time. She screamed so often that my back, to this day, I feel tension in my back, like my nerves just sometimes would be shot from all her screaming and yelling. I just, I couldn't stand it. And um, my mother's a very emotional person and she wasn't a Christian when I was growing up. And my father is a very logical person. And so my father basically taught me to manage my emotions. And I learned very well from him, a little too well, if I'm completely honest, um, how to let, you know, how to make sure my logic overrode my emotions most of the time. And to this day, I'm 53 years old now, and to this day, I am still able to separate my emotions from my logic, which a lot of people, especially women that I've noticed, are not really able to do that. And it's something that makes me very unique. And in a sense, I'm very grateful for it because it helps me 
um, to control. Like I don't usually get super emotional about anything, but in another sense, it's not always good because people think that you're not compassionate or that you don't care about them because they don't see you showing emotions or expressing emotions the way they do. And then I feel badly because they don't realize how much I truly do care about people deep down. But because of, you know, my parents arguing all the time and their divorce, you know, um, constantly, my mother was constantly complaining about my father, like almost nonstop. And she would use me, or at least that's the way it felt to me. And she would use me against him, like physically, literally. Um, I remember one time, I think I was about 13 years old, maybe. And my father was late to pick me up yet again. He was often late because of his job or whatnot. And my mom, she was just done with it. And so she decided that since he was 10 minutes late or however long it was, we were leaving. And she kind of tricked me. And what 13-year-old girl doesn't want to go shopping, especially when you're very poor and you hardly ever get the chance to go shopping. And shopping has always been like one of my favorite things to do. So she tricked me and said, hey, you want to go shopping? And my poor father, because I forgot all about him coming to get me in the excitement of going shopping. And I found out later she did it deliberately and she left a note on the door for him. So he drove over an hour to pick me up. He was late, but he drove over an hour to pick me up and we were gone. And of course I said, yes, I want to go shopping, but I didn't know what she was doing. You know, she kept that part from me. And, um, you know, just different things like that, that happened over the years that I didn't want my sons to experience. And so when I found myself in an abusive marriage, I was faced with this dilemma. What do I do? If I divorce him, my kids are going to have to go through all the emotions that I went through. I don't want that for my children. So in my mind, I was protecting my children from going through all of that. In hindsight, in retrospect, I know and understand now that I totally should have divorced my husband because it would have been a lot better than them growing up in a home where their mother was being abused. But I was also in denial. And, you know, um, I was embarrassed when I finally realized, oh my gosh, I am textbook case abuse. And I didn't want to admit it. You know, I'm an intelligent person. I love the Lord. I love Jesus. He's my best friend. And I was so incredibly embarrassed. Plus, I was worried, what if people don't believe me? You know, um, I had tried to hint around a couple of times to our overseers. Um, we actually, my ex-husband and I, <laughs> my abusive ex-husband and I, we actually hosted a marriage Bible study ministry in our home. And I tried a couple of times to tell our overseers, our various overseers, we shouldn't be, we should not be doing this. Like our marriage is not good. And I couldn't understand back then why they didn't believe me. Um, I found out later, much later, uh, one of them was, uh, we, we did, had a ministry for an organization called Family Life. I tried to tell them. They didn't seem to believe me. They just seemed to act like it was not a big deal. And, you know, they said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And that was the end of it. They didn't like say, no, you can't do this anymore or anything. And the other one was the pastor who was overseeing our group through the church. And he didn't seem to believe me either. And I couldn't understand it. Well, I found out years later that 
my ex-husband had been telling everyone at the church and the family life leaders and everyone or overseers that I was exaggerating, (laughs) that what I said wasn't true. That was so far the opposite of the truth. Not only was I not exaggerating, but it took me years and a lot of courage that I had to build up to be to that, to be able to tell someone, hey, this is what's really happening in my home. And I didn't even understand the nuances of how my husband was abusing me back then either. So I'm sure that made it probably a little more difficult even for people to believe me when I finally did confess. Do you know I didn't tell anybody about my ex-husband's abuse for the first 10 years of our marriage? But do you know also that the police from the community where we lived, they were called out to our home multiple times over those 10 years? And toward the end of that first decade of our marriage, at least every once every six months, because of my husband physically abusing me. I mean, the emotional abuse was ongoing the whole time. But the police were in and out of our homes, and nobody in the church ever knew it. It was totally confidential. Nobody knew what was really happening behind my closed doors. I was actually, when I started realizing what was actually happening to me, I started worrying and praying that God would not allow my children to be taken away from me. Because I knew or I found out that there are women whose children are taken away from them because the law considers, or at least back then it did, considers that if a mother is not protecting herself from being abused by her husband, then those children are not in a safe environment. Like they shouldn't be witnessing that. And definitely they should not be witnessing abuse. And I truly believed that my children never saw their father abusing me. One of my children, um, it took him five years to tell me that he had seen his father shove me up against the hallway wall that fateful night back in November of 2003, which notice it was around the Thanksgiving holiday. It's a lot of times um, domestic violence incidences can often occur around holidays, I believe personally because of the stress. But it took my son five years to tell me he had seen his father shove me up against the hall. I do remember him yelling, Mommy, bring me the phone, I'll dial 911. And I also remember closing the door at the last minute. But over the years, and that's what let me keep my kids because I protected them. The police officer actually um, told my son, my other son, he was terrified because I was terrified that the kids were going to get taken away from me and sent to a foster home. And I made the mistake of saying that, and my son overheard me. And so he was terrified after that night happened that the police were going to take him away from me, and his father had been sent to jail for the night. So he was terrified. I think he was going to be without both of his parents. So I asked, I explained to the police officer, he's terrified that they're going to foster care because I didn't know, is that what's going to happen? You know, she's like, no, they're not going to foster care. And I'm like, will you please talk to my son? And so first female police officer in 10 years, by the way, she said, sure. And she went and she spoke to my son and reassured him, no, honey. And she said to him, no, honey, 
You're not going, you and your brother are not going to foster care. You boys get to stay with your mommy because she protected you. Because I had closed the door. That's what the police officer said to my son. You're not, go, you're not going to foster care because your mommy protected you. And she told me, because you closed the door, you protect, you closed and locked the boys in their room, you protected your boys. I didn't have enough time to get myself away from my ex-husband that night. And that was the night he strangled and suffocated me. And can you believe I went back to him five months later? And I think that's why a lot of people didn't believe me. Why would anyone be so stupid as to go back to someone who strangled and suffocated you? But I did. There are a lot of reasons why, okay? But what I want to get across in this episode is I did everything over the years to try to protect my sons from their father. When he would get angry, I would send them to their room or something so they didn't have to be around him. Or we would go somewhere if we could to get away from him until he calmed down. You know, um, he would have his moods or whatnot. Um, but this that night when that happened, they were in bed. So it was like not after 9 p.m. Um, but I tried so hard. And I remember my ex-husband, their father, my older son. And my older son is still traumatized by this. Um, he still remembers this. My ex-husband used to refuse to buy shoes that fit him. So he would constantly try to put shoes on my son that were too small for him. I'm sorry, this one still bothers me. They all do, but... And I would beg and plead for my ex-husband. You know what? We can go get him a pair of shoes that fit for 20 bucks at the Goodwill. Don't make him wear... You know, shoes that are too small. Oh, he'll be fine. It's fine. He'll be all right. Look, I can get him on. That means he can wear them. No. Like, the kid would yell and scream and cry because the shoes were too small. But he would literally force his feet in the shoes and was too cheap to go buy him a pair of shoes. Like, we were not struggling financially that badly. Yes, we had some debt that we eventually paid off. But there was absolutely no reason that child had to wear shoes that were too small. Um, I remember other times where, I remember one time where one of my children spilled milk on the table and my ex-husband just went ballistic, raging through the place where we were living. And my poor child was crying. I tried so hard to protect them from all of that. And... I knew that if, I mean, he had, my ex-husband had threatened me that don't you ever report me, don't you ever report me to the police, don't you ever call the police on me, even though they were in and out of our home. But he told me that if he ended up in jail, that he would take my children to Mexico, where he's from, and get lost, and I would never see them again. And actually, whoops, when I finally divorced him, um... After a grand total of 17 years of marriage, because I kept giving my ex-husband chances to repent and change, um, because he kept promising me. It was, we were textbook, textbook domestic violence power wheel cycle. If you look at the power wheel cycle for domestic violence, we were textbook. And I did not want to admit it, but eventually I did. And it is embarrassing you know, but it shouldn't be because it's not the victim's fault. It's not, it's, it's the abuser's choice. As I said in another podcast episode, um, 
I got distracted. What was I saying? Oh, when I finally, um, let's see, where was I going with that? I don't remember what the point was, but I just wanted to, um, you know, dedicate this podcast episode to my children and let you and them all know. And I know my one son knows because we've had conversations about it, but I don't think my other son knows. I tried to do everything to protect both of those boys. And because he was a firstborn, I think, I think that's why. Um, but my firstborn son, my ex-husband was a lot harder on him than he was on my younger son. So I didn't think I had to protect my younger son as much as my firstborn son because my ex-husband, their father seemed to like him better. <laughs> that even hurts to say. And there's no logic to it. But, um, you know, I, I tried everything in my power. Oh, I know what I was going to say. One of the reasons I stayed with him is because I was scared that he would take off with my children. Not only would I never see them again, but here is this man who's abusing me. If I'm not around to protect my children, how is he going to treat my children? If he's already abusing them by raging if they spill milk and forcing them to wear shoes that are too small for them repeatedly, why would he not abuse? So why would he not abuse them when I wasn't around? So it was a real fear. I was absolutely terrified. At least if I was there, I could see what was happening and try to prevent it was my logic back then. But I really tried to protect both of my boys as much as I possibly could. And my younger son um, had quite the sense of humor. They both did, but, but especially my younger son. And so it would lighten the mood a lot. And so I kind of relied on that. And that seemed to work for him with my ex-husband and his father, the same person. Um, but my older son and I, we are, I can, I can joke or I can be serious. I'm both. Um, but my older son back then was more on the serious side. And so my ex-husband, with him being a firstborn and being more serious, was a lot harder on him. I also, um, the very first time my ex-husband disciplined one of our children, the very first time, I was extremely upset because it was way too harsh in my opinion. And it was abusive. And I begged and pleaded with my ex-husband to never do that again. And my husband finally conceded and said, okay, I'll make you a deal. You can do all the disciplining, but just know if you don't do it well enough, I'm going to step in. And so I had to become the disciplinarian. I had to become the heavy because I knew that, and I knew I had to do it well enough that my ex-husband would be satisfied with it. But I also knew that it would be less harmful than his quote-unquote discipline or more accurate term abuse of them. So I became the bad guy, so to speak. I became the disciplinarian and their father became, I, I labeled him Disney, especially after the divorce, because he was the fun one. I had to do all the disciplining, and he got to do all the fun stuff. He worked a lot of overtime when we were married, and he'd come home and play with the kids after I'd been teaching and and admonishing or whatever I needed to do all day, you know, and, and 
you know, if there was an issue with discipline, most of the time I would have to take care of it. And then, you know, um, their father would do things like I didn't want our children watching R rated movies, but he would let them do it. Um, I didn't want our children trying alcohol, but he would let them do it. I didn't want our children playing teen or mature rated video games, but he would let them do it. I didn't want our children showered with gifts and spoiled, but he would take what little money we had, especially at like Christmas, their birthdays and holidays and stuff. And he would shower them with gifts and he would literally, um, like buy them the newest video game console system every single time a new one came out. And I was 100% against that. I didn't mind them having one occasionally, but every single time they came out to me, that's a little unnecessary, you know? So here I was, you know, the teacher and the disciplinarian and, you know, teaching them about God and the word of God and how to behave and all of this. And daddy gets to come home and play and have fun because mommy's doing all the work and mommy looked like the bad guy. And by mommy, of course, I mean me. And it became even worse when we got divorced because he showered them with gifts. One of my children once even talked him into giving him his car, like loaning him his car, a convertible car. It was used and older, but still it was a convertible car. I mean, he just absolutely spoiled them, especially my younger son. And, um, I mean, my younger son, don't get me wrong. He's very responsible. I mean, if anybody deserve it, deserves to be spoiled a little, it's him. I would, but I would have liked to have been able to be part of that. You know, I would have liked to have been able to do something for him once in a while. But my ex-husband, even though I did the bills, it was quote unquote his money and he controlled the money. I, I did the work. I was kind of like the secretary in the marriage. I did the work. All he did was work outside the home I and, and mow the lawn and fix cars. I literally did everything else. Like I did all the cleaning, all the cooking, paying the bills, running the errands, you name it. I did it. <laughs> Grocery shopping, you name it. I did it. Um, so it was a lot, but I really liked my job and I was really good at it. But um, I could not totally protect my children from him. And I made mistakes too. And I swore I would never badmouth my husband the way my mother badmouthed my father. But guess what? After all the years of abuse and especially being strangled and suffocated, I started to grow bitter. I was angry. I hated how I had been treated. And I will confess to you, there were multiple times, unfortunately, I wish I could go back and change it. I regret it, but I cannot change it where I would get frustrated and vent verbally. And my one son has told me that there were times where I would say things because I was upset and angry about how my ex-husband had been treating me or had been abusing me. And I would say things in frustration and anger that felt to them like I was taking it out on them. It wasn't intentional. And I, I don't remember, honestly, but I believe my son because he has no reason to lie about it. Why would he lie about that? And I feel so badly. And I, I was able to apologize to one of my children for that sincerely and tell him, 
I am so sorry. I don't remember that, but I totally believe you. I could see it because, you know, I mean, I know my own mother did that to me, you know, and I tried so hard not to. And I know I was very angry and bitter for many years toward my ex-husband. And eventually I started praying, God, take this bitterness away from me. And he did. It took a while, but he did. One day, just poof, it suddenly disappears. And even though I'm sharing my story and my testimonies with you about all that happened to me, um, because unfortunately, I think some of, I know some of you can relate because you've sent me private messages thanking me for sharing my story and telling me that unfortunately you've been through similar things or you can relate, which I'm so sorry that you've gone through that too. Um, but I, I am so sorry that that happened. I can't go back and change the past. And I hope and pray that God covers the mistakes I made. And, um, but one day it just poof disappeared and I'm not bitter. Even though I share my stories and my testimony was with you, I am not, I am no longer bitter for a few years now. Uh, probably maybe about going on four years now that God took that bitterness away from me one day, just suddenly poof, it was gone. And I will never trust my ex-husband again. He's definitely not a safe place, especially for me. Um, he was one way in public and another way in the home behind closed doors. Um, but I, I don't hate my husband anymore. I'm not angry at him anymore. In fact, if anything, I kind of feel badly for him. I kind of feel sorry for him. And I have prayed for him um, because he obviously, for him to treat me the way he did, he obviously does not understand how much God loves him. And so that makes me feel badly for him. And um, so, but God just take, took that bitterness away from me. But unfortunately, it happened after my children were grown. So it was too late, you know. Um, but I did try to do everything I could to protect my children from divorce, from abuse, from everything I possibly could. But I also made mistakes when I was angry. I, it takes me a long time to get angry. Like, it's really difficult for me to get angry. But once I'm angry, like, look out. And I'm getting a little better as I get older. Like, God's transforming me slowly, I think. I kind of wish it'd be a little faster. Don't we all, right? But, um, you know, I would say things when I was angry, and I try really hard not to do that anymore. Um, I make a very conscious effort to not speak when I'm angry. And sometimes I will self-isolate just so I don't hurt someone when I'm angry or feeling angry. But like I said, it takes a lot to get me angry, like a lot. I've also learned to express my feelings and articulate them a lot sooner instead of not saying how I truly feel until it builds and builds and builds. And then I eventually blow up in an angry, like, I'm not going to say tirade, but an angry spiel of words that reflect my anger or my angry feelings, right? Um, that's not healthy. And so I've learned over time and I try really hard and I think I do a pretty good job of this most of the time now of just articulating my feelings when I do feel angry right away instead of holding it in and bottling it up until I can't take it anymore kind of thing. And my son, one of my sons actually pointed that out to me a few years ago. So I was able to start working on that. And I'm so grateful to him that he was able to do that for me. And, you know, we can learn from our children too. Um, I learned from 
my children when they were younger all the time. You know, I learned from one of them how to make light of situations and just have a great sense of humor. And I learned from the other one, you know, how to have wisdom about situations and how to, um, you know, express my feelings and not hold feelings in or bottle them up and many other things. And so we can learn from our children too. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, sometimes that's a God moment. But um, I, I tried so hard to protect my children from the abuse and, um, you know, um, protect them from being abused and protect them from witnessing me being abused. Unfortunately, I failed. But I tried. <laughs> um, so I pray for them daily. I have for years. One more thing. I did take my children to a counselor um, once I finally separated permanently from my ex-husband. And it was a Christian counselor, male Christian counselor. They each spoke with him separately for like maybe an hour each. And when they were finished talking, the counselor came out and looked at me and he goes, they're fine, especially considering what they've been through. And I said, oh, thank you. And I just took his word for it. And not that he didn't know what he was talking about, but to this day, I wish that I had gotten a second opinion. Um, I was relieved. Um... So, um, I made a lot of mistakes, like I think all parents do, because like I said, there's no rule book for parenting. Like there are books out there. Yes. But like, as far as, you know, Christians and looking at the Bible, Proverbs 22, six, uh, there's also a verse that says, do not exasperate your children. And so that one, I, I would pray about, because I know there were times where I unintentionally exaggerated, exas exacerbated exasperated, <laughs> sorry, exasperated um, one or both of my children. And I never meant to, like my heart was n never to hurt my children. Like I can't go back and change that, but I love them so much. But on the other hand, I was abused so much, especially growing up that when I finally started becoming empowered and getting free from all this abuse, including in my marriage, you know, I decided I'm not going to take that crap from anyone anymore, you know? And one of the things I admired about my sister, Tammy, my late sister, Tammy, God bless her heart, rest her soul, is she didn't take anybody's crap, you know? I know I'm using the word crap. Please bear with me. She didn't. She didn't take anybody's crap. I mean, she would tell people like it is, and she was kind about it too. And, um, so if someone was speaking disrespectfully to me, then I would become very angry because it was a trigger for me. It's still a trigger for me. I really have to watch it. Um, I'm a lot better about how I respond now, but I think there's still some work to do, to be completely honest. My grandma Walker, beloved, God bless her. I loved her so much. She was my best friend. She told me once, I'll be learning until the day I die, you know? And I think that's a really good like philosophy and belief to have, even though she had a massive stroke and that probably wasn't so true, but um, because it incapacitated her to a certain point, mis mentally speaking. Um, where was I going with this? Uh, I lost my train of thought again. Um, Let's see, going backwards a little bit. 
I was talking about, I'll be learning till the day I die. Oh, getting better about, oh, when someone disrespects me. And one of my children was constantly disrespecting me. I mean, you know, all of our children, they go through these phases when they're growing up, right? And you know, the really, what the really sad part was, was he learned that from me. I was the one he learned it from when I was so angry and bitter against my ex-husband, who was at the time my husband, for how he was treating me, mistreating me and abusing me. And I was very angry and bitter and I would repeated some of the behavior patterns that my mother had shown toward me when I was growing up. And I would yell and scream and cuss and he picked that up and he would yell at me and he would scream at me and he would cuss at me and I'm not going to sit there and take that. And so eventually I would do it back. Um, I tried really hard not to, but you know, sometimes your emotions, they just, you get eventually carried away. I remember one time when he was yelling and screaming and cussing at me on the phone for two hours straight. (laughs) And I don't want to pass down this generational curse, you know? And after two hours, I had just had it. And he was all done. He got everything off his chest. He stopped. But by that point, I was livid because I've been disrespected and screamed at and cussed at for two hours straight. And I responded not in a good way. I responded the same way he had spoken to me because I was feeling very angry at being disrespected and that was a trigger point for me. I'm actually shocked I kept it quiet for two hours back then because I was a hot mess back then. But like it wasn't always him starting it. Um, And I feel badly because I feel like I passed that generational curse down to him, but I didn't realize that at the time, you know? Um, for some reason, the other son would start doing that, but he would stop himself. He has a lot more self-control than I do. Um, especially when it comes to things like that. And he always has, um, and you know, my son who was screaming and cussing at me, like his friends only saw me respond. They didn't see that he had been doing that to me for the two hours before, but regardless, I should not have responded the way I did. That's on me. I am the responsible for that, you know? And there were times when he was growing up that I was angry at his dad and I would, and he would say or do something that needed discipline and I would not handle it the right way. And I know that's where he learned that from. Like I said, I cannot go back and change that. Um, and I have to move on and forgive myself for that, you know, which I have already done. Um, so my... One son, um, you know, he misunderstood a lot of things I said to him. Um, He's a really great man. He's a great kid. Um, They both are. They're wonderful kids. Um, But the combination of my mistakes and covering up for my ex-husband with discipline and abuse, I believe, are what And by my mistakes, I mean what I've confessed to you now, as well as other mistakes I made as my son got older, are what have now, I believe, led to one of my sons is now estranged from me, going on, I believe, three years now. And he estranged himself from me um, right before Christmas. So that was tough. (laughs) 
um, because I was looking forward to seeing him and hopefully, you know, working some things out or at least spending some nice time together. And I did try multiple times over the years, but, you know, people misunderstand each other. Um, there was a time where um, someone very close to him had hurt him and he had told me he didn't want to talk about it. But I thought that it was unhealthy for him to talk, not talk about it. So I made him, I forced him to talk about it. And he resented me for that. Rightfully so. I should have not forced him. But at the time, I thought I was helping him. I thought that's what he needed. Um, but in in hindsight, in retrospect, I should have respected his wishes and, you know, let him handle it in his own way and just been there for him. And um, he also misunderstood me that in something I had said during that time, and that's not what I meant at all. It actually broke my heart to see him hurting and suffering and struggling through that. Um, I, I hate seeing my children hurting and suffering and struggling. I, I absolutely hate it. What parent wouldn't? Um, but, you know, I can't go back and change anything, but I can go forward and I forgive myself. I forgive my children. I forgive my ex-husband. You know, I'm grateful to God for the lessons I've learned. And I pray against all these generational curses. And hopefully I am the person in my family that's halting these and stopping these and making these stop happening, you know. But um, the whole point of this podcast is I tried so hard to protect my children from abuse, whether it was their father's abuse of me, their father's abuse of them, or my own emotional abuse unintentionally. Um, they're both wonderful young men now, both very successful. I'm extremely proud of both of them. And I'm grateful for the relationship I still have with my one son. And I'm hopeful that, um, you know, prayerfully, my other son will heal in time and... Um, hopefully eventually come back to me and realize that I really did have the best intentions. But you know what? I'm going to respect his wishes to the best of my ability because that was one of my biggest mistake with him. mistakes with him was that as an adult, I did not respect his boundaries. I, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I did not respect his boundaries. And so I have been respecting his boundaries for probably going on over two years now at least. So hopefully that counts for something. Um, so I know as abused wives, we do everything we can to protect our children. But I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, if you think that you're staying in your abusive marriage for the sake of your children like I did, you're not. It's affecting them more than you can ever imagine. And it has consequences. My son who no longer speaks to me, is best friends with my ex-husband, his father, the one who strangled me. Um, and by the way, I shouldn't even have to say this, but a lot of times women are not believed. If anyone is curious, it is a public police report. Anyone can go request a copy of the police record. It is there. My ex-husband liked to claim that the police lied. That is not true. It's not Mexico. Police don't lie. They tell the truth. Not all of them. But when it comes to domestic abuse, 
Like, what would they be lying about? Nothing happened to him. He spent one night in jail. That's it. I mean, technically, he should have spent a lot more time in prison for what he did to me or attempted to do. Um, and I will tell you that the look in his eyes right before um, he attempted to suffocate and strangle me that fateful night in November of 2003, it was demon demonic. It was demonic. I've never seen anyone's eyes look like that before or after or since that night. And I hope to never see eyes looking like that ever again. Um, that still haunts me. Uh, the Lord took away the visual I had of him actually, um, you know, when he was actually strangling and suffocating me and my knees were starting to buckle and I was starting to pass out. Um, by the way, there are serious physical side effects from strangulation that can result for years, I have since learned, and I've been studying a lot. Um, but I'm so thankful that God saved me because, ironically, that night when he saved me from my ex-husband's attempt to murder me, and I'm not exaggerating, um, ironically, God showed me a picture of my sons in my mind and said, because I was starting to give up, um, and said, your boys need you. You're the only one who can love them the way you do. You're their mother. I made you to be their mother and you're the mother they need. Which was what kept me going. And then right after that, miraculously, my ex-husband released his grip. I was choking and coughing and everything else. And you can hear that whole testimony on another podcast episode. I believe it's called that fateful night or that dreadful night something to that effect. It has a trigger warning to not allow children to listen to it. So please be careful if you have any children or your abusive um, ex or your abusive husband, boyfriend, significant other, whoever it is, you definitely don't want them to hear these podcast episodes. Please be in a safe place when you play them for yourself or your friends or whoever, your loved ones. Um, I can only share my experiences with you. I have been studying about abuse ever since. Um, I've learned a lot, both about my ex-husband and about myself. Um, and uh, God has been transforming me and conforming me into him, his image as he does with each and every one of us. And I'm so grateful that, you know, it does hurt that I don't talk to my estranged son but I'm grateful to know that I know that he's alive and he's doing well from, I mean, if he weren't, I would hear something, I'm sure. So that gives me comfort knowing that and knowing that he's okay gives me peace. Um, people sometimes tell me what's going on with him without me even asking because we know a lot of the same people. <laughs> um, and so I know that he's doing fairly well, pretty well, um, He's done some wonderful things and seems to be having a good life. So I'm very happy for him. And I'm very grateful that my other son and I still talk. And hopefully one day my sons will forgive me. I know one has, but hopefully the other one will also forgive me for the mistakes I made. And I hope and pray that we'll get back together one day. Because like I said at the beginning of this podcast episode, after Jesus, my children are my world. They are my everything. And they always have been. And, um, you know, every parent makes mistakes and we all feel guilty. We all feel guilty. 
So we do what we think is best for our children. And I believe personally that each generation learns a little more and gets a little better at our parenting. So again, I dedicate this podcast episode to my sons who are now grown. Um, I didn't go into a bunch of details about specific instances of where I protected my sons from their father's abuse of them or me um, because I don't want to traumatize them or anyone else. Um, But there were a lot over the course of 17 years. And um, I told you that I was so messed up and so brainwashed that I went back to my ex-husband after he strangled and suffocated me which was at our 10-year almost anniversary. It was a month before our 10-year anniversary. And then we were abuse-free for three years when he shoved me and spit in my face in front of the children. And that was my, like, last straw, my wake-up point. And in my mind, something clicked, something snapped. And I mentally immediately began preparing a plan to get him out. Um, And I just... I reached a point where I kind of just snapped mentally and I couldn't take it anymore. And I separated from him for a third and final time. I packed a bag while he was at work, left it on the front patio for him, called the the sheriffs, called the police, let them know what was going on, and had the locks changed while he was gone. So when he came home from work, the locks were changed on the house and his bag was on the front patio because I was terrified that... He would physically hurt me if I didn't do that. And there was other stuff that happened after that, too, that was absolutely terrifying, like stalking and things like that. Um, But in a nutshell, I prayed gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching cries to God in prayer for three years before God showed me the other, the second half of Malachi 2.16 and released me from my ex-husband's violence physical violence. He was also emotionally abusive as well, um, completely addicted to pornography. Um, There was a lot going on that I haven't shared, but I tried to help him too, but that didn't go very well at all. He didn't want help. He was too embarrassed and ashamed. So um, I dedicate this podcast episode to my sons. I'm proud of both of you. If you ever hear this, please know how proud of you both I am. I love you both very much, and you're both and always will be my world after Jesus. I love you both so very much, and I'm so proud of both of you. I have so much respect for both of you. And thank you um, for sticking by me to my one son and being my friend in spite of all my shortcomings, failures, and errors over the years. I promise you I'm going to continue to try to be better, even better for you. And thank you all for listening. I love you, but more importantly, Jesus loves you more. Please stay safe. Protect yourself for the sake of your children. Until next time, God bless you.